On today's episode, we're talking about how the journey of sight loss is never ending, and that's actually not a bad thing. This is Life After Sight Loss Radio, Episode 50. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast helping you discover life after sight loss. My name is Derek Daniel. I am your host and resident VIP, aka visually impaired person. Hey, if you're new to the program, welcome aboard. This is the place where we do product reviews. We talk life advice, encouragement, emotional support, relationships, technology, and gosh, so much more. All with the express purpose of helping individuals and families who are going through or facing physical sight loss. Welcome, guys. This is episode 50. Yes, we made it all the way to episode number 50 here on the podcast. And I want to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening. If this is your first time or if this is your 50th time, thank you so much. We wouldn't be able to do it without you listening. It'd just be me screaming into a microphone. And so I appreciate you listening. We're going to have a great time on today's episode. It's going to be a little different. We're going to break format a little bit. I think that's all right for episode 50. We're going to break format. And I've got some stories to tell you, and you're hopefully going to enjoy them and hopefully let you know that you're not alone on this journey of sight loss. Before we jump into everything, I want to remind you that as always, you can find today's show notes at lifeaftersightloss.com slash zero five zero. The show notes includes links, information, ways to subscribe and stay connected. So make sure you hop on over to the show notes at lifeaftersightloss.com slash zero five zero all right my friends well like i said of course this is episode 50 and i think on some of the bigger number or maybe prominent numbered episodes you want to do something a little different you want to break format a little bit and do something that's great because you've reached a certain pinnacle and that's certainly true for this episode we've reached number 50 But as I was thinking about it, I was talking with my wife and I was sharing how, you know, oftentimes we reach these points and we think, wow, now it's going to be something or now it's going to be different or or we've reached a a certain milestone and and we've got this sort of thing. And, And that's great. And that's all true and accurate. We have reached a milestone and I don't ever want to take that away. But next week, I've got to do episode 51. And then 52 and then so on and so forth. You know, the journey of the podcast isn't over now that I've reached episode 50. It's great and it's amazing and it's a victory for sure, but it's not over. And it made me think about how sight loss and even the journey of life in general is like that. Yes, we have victories along the way. Yes, we have milestones we reach and and things to celebrate, but it doesn't end there. It's not over. Maybe it transitions a little bit, but it's not over. And so what I wanted to do on today's episode was just kind of give you a glimpse into my own personal journey of sight loss. And the way I thought about doing that was to share with you some personal stories from my own life where I've experienced different emotions that I talk about here on the podcast. You know, things like sadness, things like happiness, uh, things like excitement, things like you know being included and, and all kinds of different things. Because I want you to know 
that you are not alone. If you have recently lost your sight, if someone you love has recently lost your sight, my biggest thing is to let you know that you're not alone. You know, you can do this and and take me seriously. I've been blind for a while. I know what this is like. But I think a great way to explain that is just to let you know from my own personal life. You know, yeah, I can tell you all day about how, oh, it's going to be fine, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, My own personal experience will show you that, hey, this is definitely possible. There are ups, there are downs, there are things you experience, but the journey is never ending because it's not over yet. And so as I jump into this, just know that every one of these stories, every one of these moments, every one of these sort of experiences has been picked to show you that there are ups and downs along the journey, but the journey is not over. So I hope that you enjoy it. I hope you uh, sit back during this break and format a little bit and, and laugh and cry and, you know, join me on the roller coaster of emotions because that's hopefully what it will be. Uh, it might be a little longer. I don't know how long this episode is going to last. I'm just going to talk until I'm done talking and hopefully if if it's really, really long, maybe you can break it up into a couple sessions, but regardless, we're going to have a good time. So without any further ado, let's jump into some of these stories of my own personal journey of sight loss. By the way, I've got 10 of these, so sit back, relax, and, and get ready. All right, so first up on my list is feeling grateful. Now, you might say, so you're grateful for being blind? Look, you can debate all day whether you're grateful or not, but I wanted to talk about a time in my life when I was grateful. When I first lost my sight, obviously there was a lot happening and a lot going on, and I was wondering how I was going to handle it. So I ended up, about a year after losing my sight, I went to college, um, well, a different college. I ended up going the second semester, but a year after I lost my sight, I went to a new college, and I had a roommate that I had been friends with in high school, but he and I weren't like super close necessarily. Uh, We kind of knew each other. We had worked together over the summer at our summer job and that sort of thing. And so he ended up being my roommate. And he was my roommate, I think, because it was like, I'm new here. I don't know this area and you could help me out if I needed it. And he kind of understood that going in. But here's the thing. This friend was so much more than just somebody who's like, yeah, it's over there. He was such an impact on my life in these moments. I mean, he helped me because this was a time when I was kind of depressed and he helped me just walk through that. And and it wasn't because he did any grandiose thing. He just helped me walk through each and every day. He took it day by day. I mean, to the point of where he would take my guide dog out to go to the bathroom if he needed to, you know, because I was like, oh, I'm not getting out of bed, uh, which anybody who loves animals, I'm sure you're like, oh my gosh, you're a terrible person. But you know, when you're depressed, you're depressed. What are you going to do? So he was so great. I remember we did a, I was in theater at the time and he was part of that. And so we were doing a show and I got cast in a role and this role was totally new to me. And I'd never heard of this. It was a a play called Tartuffe. And yeah, I'd never heard of it and it was very odd. And so I got cast and he was like, I'll help you out. So what he did was he ended up setting up a time to record the whole script for me with other people who were playing these roles. And then he would read my part. So there wasn't any sort of, um, you know, emotion put into it. So I could, you know, think of it myself, but he recorded the whole script or at least 90% of the script uh, where I was in. And I was able to listen to that, learn my lines. He was part of the crew. And he was just, he was so great and so helpful to to me during this time. And especially when I just recently lost my sight, it was so, 
so helpful and I was so grateful. I mean, he would go out of his way to come pick me up for work and all kinds of stuff. It was it was just such a, a momentous time because when people are diving out, when they're like, you're blind, I don't know what to do, peace, I'm out. He was there for me. He was uh, such a confidant. He was a person that could understand what was going on. When I'd say I'm having a, a rough eye day, a bad eye day, he knew what that meant and I didn't have to go into great explanation. And he's still a very close friend. And so one time when I was very, very grateful, it wasn't just one day, it was such uh, an enormous time in my life because there was so much happening. And I'm so thankful for that friend. I'm so grateful to have had that friend. Next up is that classic emotion we all feel from time to time is sadness. Now, sadness can look a lot of different ways. It might be depression. It might be up and down emotions. But one time when I remember feeling very, very sad was even before this whole time with my friend in college, I was in a different college and I didn't really know anybody. There were a couple of people there that I'd went to high school with, but I really didn't know anybody. And I've shared this on the podcast before, I think, but I am a huge social person. I love uh, being around people and being with people. It gives me energy. It gives me support. I love it. And I ended up going to a party at this college, and I think it was like a sports-related event, and they were watching a basketball game, which, you know, was fine. I'm not a huge sports person, but I thought, oh, I'll afford me the opportunity to be around people, so that would be great. I'll go, I'll eat some pizza. You know, again, I had only been blind for about six months, and so I was like, it'll be great. It'll be wonderful. I wasn't even considering all the things I'd have to face. So I went to this thing, and I ended up sitting on the couch. I didn't know the person who was hosting the party, so I just met them in a class or whatever, and so I didn't know anybody there. And people just sort of walked around me. They didn't know me. And and I'm not blaming anybody. Like, they didn't even talk to me. It was just one of those moments. And I ended up excusing myself and going back to my own dorm room and eating like a whole pizza by myself or whatever. It was very sad. I was just, I could just feel sadness, you know. And, and it was just those moments where I was like, I'm sad. Why? Because I'm blind. This is now affecting my life in greater ways than I could have imagined. And that's the thing. I think when we talk about the journey of sight loss, you know, I talk about being grateful, but now I talk about being sad. And it's ups and downs. It's true. Yeah, I'm pretty positive on the podcast and on the videos, and I try to stay positive, uh, uh, you know, whenever I can. But the reality is sometimes I'm sad. And this was early on, and I was having to deal with this and cope with this sadness that I couldn't be what I, quote, thought I should be. And that was very, very sad. So that was a moment when I really experienced sadness. Next up on the list, the third thing is anger. Now, I rarely get angry, like, you know, just lashing out and that sort of thing. I I typically stay at about a one or two. Of course, I do jump from two to ten very quickly, so that's a whole other podcast episode probably. But I rarely get angry. But, man, if you want to make me angry, just start taking advantage of the fact that I'm blind. That will make me angry. There was this uh, one time we were living in a different area, and we had a septic tank. For those of you who don't know what that means, it means we lived in the country you know, because we weren't connected to a sewer. So we had a septic tank and we wanted it checked out. We thought, you know, we had just bought the house not not too long before that. We thought, well, we'll have somebody come out and check this out. And anyway, somebody that our family knew had a business doing this. So we thought, oh, well, we'll call them out here. We'll have them check it out. It'd be great. So this guy comes out and I'm the only one home at the time. My wife is at work. We didn't have any kids. You know, I'm just, I'm home. And I thought, yeah, I'll meet him. So he comes out and he's like, okay, I'm going to test this area, blah, blah, blah. He's got this probe thing, this big metal stick basically, and he shoves it down in the ground and he pulls it back out. And they're kind of testing to see if your septic tank is holding stuff or if it's putting it back into the ground, if there's like sludge or whatever. And so I was 
like, all right, well, you know, we'll see this. Well, he puts it down on the ground. He pulls it out and he says, oh, there's sludge on this. Do you see that? And in the moment, I didn't know what to do. Obviously, I didn't see it. But I said, uh-huh. Like, you know, I didn't confirm and deny. I'm just like, uh-huh, yeah, okay. And he was like, okay. So then he goes on this spiel of how we're going to need probably a new septic tank. And we're going to need this thing to probably be on the front yard. It's going to be a big mound system. It's going to cost us $10,000. And it was a whole big thing. I mean, we didn't have $10,000, clearly. I didn't know what to do. I called my parents. I was like, oh, this dude told me this thing and blah, blah, blah. It was awful. And so my wife was like, why don't we get a second opinion? Just why don't we get somebody else to come out and look at it just to see? Because we were totally new to all this. We didn't know what was happening. So my dad came out with this other gentleman we found. We didn't know this other guy. And he came out with him. He's like, I'll come out and I'll see it that way. You know, we're not, (laughs) nothing's going wrong with site issues. So he comes out and this other guy comes and he tests it and he says, I'm not finding anything anywhere. I mean, he goes, I'm testing it everywhere and there's no sludge anywhere in your yard. And we're like, what? What do you mean? He's like, yeah, I, I think this guy lied to you. And so it ended up that our septic system was working fine. We went ahead and had it cleaned. He's like, I don't even need to clean it if you don't want. I was like, no, go ahead and do it. And then that other guy came out with like the water tester lady of the county or whatever and came to our door and I was like, you got to go, buddy. I told him, I said, we had so-and-so come out. He didn't find anything. And this guy was like dumbfounded, like, uh, you know, and our whole family was angry because this guy knew that I was visually impaired. We lived in a small town. He had to have known. And it was like, he totally took advantage of that. And I was so, so angry. And I think a little... Uh, yes, I was angry, but I was scared at the same time because I was like, how am I going to handle these sort of things? Now, granted, we figured things out in life and it's fine, but I was so angry because somebody tried to take advantage of my visual impairment and that is not cool. So yes, yes, at very, some, well, sometimes, not often, but at various times, I do experience getting angry. All right, number four on this list is the feeling of fear. Now, we've has experienced that, maybe if, especially if you've recently lost your sight, the feeling of being afraid, I mean... Honestly, we probably feel afraid a lot of different times, whether it's being afraid of the dark or heights or whatever. But when you lose your sight, it's this fear because you're not sure what's happening, what's coming at you. And one time in my life when I really experienced fear was, again, early on after losing your sight, uh, you know, you just experience it. And I was going to get my guide dog. This was about four months after I lost my sight, or at least four months after the diagnosis. And I had just, uh, 9-11 had just happened, and I flew in November after September, so there was a lot going on at the airports, if you can imagine, and I was flying by myself. I'd never flown by myself. In fact, I hadn't flown in like, I don't know, a decade. I flew when I was a little kid, but with my parents or whatever, and so I was flying by myself after 9-11, and it was scary. I was going to an airport I'd never been to before. Now, granted, I was going to a place where they expected blind people to come off airplanes, and it was fine, but I was so scared. So not only was I traveling alone, but I was going to this new airport and I was going to this new place to learn about training with a guide dog and meeting all these new blind people. And I think that in and of itself was scary because I was like, what's it going to be like being around blind people? I'd never experienced that in my small little town. I mean, we had one other blind person, I think. And so I was like, what's this going to be like? Am am I going to meet these people and they're all going to be like crazy and invalid and not know what to do with life? And I'm going to, this is my future. I didn't know what to think. It was so scary. Now, granted, the experience was great. I learned so much and 
I was so honored to be around these people. They taught me a lot, uh, not only the trainers, but the blind people themselves. It was just, it was a great experience. But the the time leading up to that was so, so scary. And, and I don't think I necessarily let it on. Like, it, you know, I was very excited because I was like, this is going to be great. But I was so scared at the same time. And so I, I just think it's one of those times in life. And again, I've experienced fear in a lot of other situations as well. I mean, just going out on my own in general can be fearful. It can cause me to be afraid. But I think that's the thing. Courage isn't the lack of fear. You don't need courage if you're not afraid. You have courage in the midst of fear. And so we all experience it from time to time. And that's just one of those moments when I experience fear because of visual impairment. Number five on this list is embarrassment. Now, we've all gotten embarrassed in life. Sometimes we do something dumb, we say something dumb, we fall or whatever, you know, we get embarrassed and it's really whatever. But when visual impairment causes you to be embarrassed, it's really difficult But it's because it's something you can't do anything about. I mean, it happens and you're like, I couldn't avoid that. I mean, it just happened. And I've shared this on the podcast before. There was an episode I did quite a while ago where I talked about embarrassing times and being embarrassed or whatever. And I shared this on there, but this is probably one of the most embarrassing moments. And I'm openly sharing this with you because I want you to know that we all get embarrassed. And this was a big one for me. So we were flying, and this was a few years after I lost my sight. We were flying somewhere. Uh, My wife and I were going, and it was a couple of friends. We were going out to Vegas, actually, as a matter of fact. My friends were getting married, and we were going out for a destination wedding or whatever. So anyway, um, we were going to the airport and we got in there. It was a warm month, so I had my shorts on. I mean, it was very nice. And it's like, let's go to the restroom before we head on down and, and find a seat. So I was like, yeah, okay, cool. So we found the restroom. I went into the restroom and I, you know, I stood there at the urinal and I was doing my thing and it felt kind of weird. I was like, this feels weird. Like, is it, it feels almost like warm. I don't know what the urinal's doing. Has it got a heater on it? That's kind of what it felt like, like the urinal had a heater on it. I was like, this feels warm. This is weird. So, you know, I finished up and as I'm, you know, quote, wrapping things up here, I realize that something's on me. Like my shorts are wet and I'm like, what happened? And I realized that there was a white trash bag on top of this white urinal where it was out of order. And I couldn't, I didn't realize it. My depth you know, was off, and, and I, I just didn't realize it. And so what had happened was I had basically urinated on myself. This is even embarrassing <laughs> to even say it out loud. It's terrible. On myself because it had ricocheted off of the trash bag because the trash bag was very tight on there, and so it just basically bounced back and soaked my shorts. And so here I was standing there. By the way, just as you know, give you context, there was a guy standing not very far from me who saw me walk up to this urinal and said nothing. So I'm kind of like, I had my cane out and everything, so it wasn't like some shocker that I was blind, and he said nothing. And I'm like, look, I know guys don't talk in the restroom, but come on, dude, like, you know, hey, just wanted you to know that's out of order. Like, come on, help me out here, man. But anyway, the point is, that's what happened. So then I go and I'm like, what am I going to do? I've got to walk out of this bathroom with soaking wet shorts. I mean, it wasn't like a little bit, it was a lot. So much so that I was going to have to change before we could travel. I mean, it was like you just spilt a 64-ounce drink on yourself. You know what I mean? It was one of the big ones. And so I was like, well, so I washed my hands because that's what you do. 
and I walked out, and there's my wife. And again, it was embarrassing on multiple levels. I mean, I was embarrassed because I, you know, I peed on myself or whatever. But I was embarrassed for my wife. You know, it's one of those moments where it's like her husband can't even take care of himself to go to the bathroom. Now, what it wasn't true. I mean, that was just a fluke, mind you. But it was so embarrassing, and all these lies creep up or whatever. So we ended up having to go get like a pair of I don't know swim trunks because we were in the airport and they didn't sell like Calvin Klein shorts or whatever. So I had to go get a pair of swim trunks and put those on and travel to Vegas, um, you know, with swim trunks on basically. And it's like, what the heck? Now they were gray and looked like shorts, but it's still, it was so, so embarrassing. Cause there's no way of coming back from that. You know, it's not like, Oh, this is funny. Let's make a joke out of it. I can talk about it now, but there was quite some time when I couldn't talk about it. Cause it was like, Oh, this is awful. And again, when you're visually impaired, you can't, you couldn't do anything about it. It wasn't like I could have been like, Oh yeah, I should have done that. I couldn't see the white trash bag on the white urinal. And I just, I couldn't, there wasn't anything to do about it. And that's why it was so embarrassing. So, I mean, I've had tons of other embarrassing moments and there's that uh, whole podcast episode I did about it, but it was like, oh, this one, this one was pretty bad. And again, you might be laughing and that's perfectly fine. You might be like, this is awful. I'm so, I feel so bad for you. Don't worry about it. It's just one of those moments where we all have to kind of get humbled, I think a little bit, but I was so, so embarrassed. And, and that's just one of those times I experienced it because a visual impairment. Number six on this list is when I feel loved. Yeah, coming off that whole embarrassing thing, I figured we needed a nice upper here. So (laughs) when I feel loved. Now, I don't really have a very specific time when I feel loved, but overall, it's, it's when somebody loves me for who I am or treats me like a person as opposed to a disease. First of all, I've got a shout out to my wife. I mean, she has, we've been dating since we're 15. We've been married almost 15 years. It's one of those things where she always just treats me like me. Yes, I have visual impairment. Yes, she's a sighted supporter. Yes, we have that as part of our life, but she always just loves me for me. And as cheesy as that sounds, that's the reality. I, I feel loved by her. And then when I meet people, uh, now that I've you know lost my sight, when I meet people now, they only know me visually impaired. And when they treat me like a person and don't consider my visual impairment a big thing. Now, yeah, they have to come pick me up or maybe they read a menu to me or, you know, things like that. But when that's just not a big deal. I mean, I've got friends, you know, we'll go out to a restaurant or, you know, go play, I don't know, a game or go bowling or whatever, and we just have a good time. You know, yeah, they might help me. They're like, oh, the thing's here, or uh, you might want to line this up, or whatever they do, what you know, wherever we're at. They do that just as a natural part of being my friend because I'm blind. It's not because it's like, oh, I need to help him, and this, we're going to talk about blindness the whole time, or we're going to focus on that or whatever. They just, we just enjoy ourselves, and I feel so loved by those people who don't treat me like a blind person. They treat me like a person who's their really good friend who just happens to be visually impaired. And I think that is when I feel the most loved. I don't know about you. If you have friends or family who treat you like a blind person, maybe you have friends and family who treat you like a person who just happens to be blind, you know it feels different. I'm not suggesting that people who struggle with my visual impairment don't love me, but when I feel loved is when the people just say, hey, it's Derek. Yeah, he happens to be blind, but he's just my friend. And that, I think, is when I feel the most loved. Next up on the list is number seven. It's when I feel lonely. 
Now, I know that visual impairment can cause us all to feel lonely. Even when we're in a room full of a thousand people, we can feel lonely. But when I feel lonely is oftentimes when I'm by myself. In recent times, you know, my wife goes to work, my kids go to school, I'm home by myself. And sometimes I just feel that wave of loneliness. It's not all the time. It's not constantly. It's not like I'm weeping around the house going, there's nobody here, you know, or whatever. But I just feel that wave of loneliness. That's why I love being with, now granted, I love being with people. Somebody who doesn't love being with people might feel lonely in different ways, in different areas, but I feel lonely when I'm just all alone and I've been all alone for quite some time. Maybe my wife is working consistent days and my kids are in school and I haven't, you know, gotten to go out with friends or whatever. And so I can just feel that wave of loneliness. And what it really does to me in those moments, it, it, this like narrative in my head plays and it's like, you're blind and you don't have any friends and you're never going to, you know, all those lies start to creep up. And that's what happens when you feel lonely, especially when you have visual impairment. So I, I experience it at different times, but like I said, in recent times, uh, it, it happens when I'm just in the house by myself. When I first lost my sight, it happened, you know, when I was by myself, but, um, it's when I would have normally been going out. Like that story I told about going to that party and then having to come back. I felt very lonely then because I was like, I'm never going to be able to do anything like this again. Obviously, that's not true, but that's what it felt like. And so whether it's then, whether it's now, I've experienced feeling lonely because of my visual impairment. Next up on the list, number eight, is when I have felt included. Now, a lot of times with visual impairment, it makes us feel separated. You know, it makes us feel like, oh, we're separated over here. And that's happened to me plenty of times. I mean, I've felt separated from something because I couldn't do something or whatever. But I wanted to share times when I felt included. And the thing that popped in my head for this was my father-in-law. Now, my my in-laws, they are big outdoors people. And I'm not, I'm not very outdoorsy. And you can tell I'm not outdoorsy because I use the word outdoorsy. I've never heard somebody who loves the outdoors be like, I'm really outdoorsy. I love being, you know, that just doesn't happen. And so you can tell I don't love it. Now, again, I don't hate the outdoors. It's just, I'm not a person who loves it. I'd much rather be inside on the computer or whatever. But my father-in-law is always so good about including me in whatever they do when they are outdoors. I can remember at one time when I was first married to my wife, um, my father-in-law and brother-in-law were going out and they were going out on a boat and they were going scouting for some hunting spot or whatever. And again, I don't know a lot about it, but basically they were like, hey, do you want to go with us? And here's the thing. I'm not a big outdoors person. We had to get up at like 4.30 in the morning. I really offered nothing to these people because this was a very visual uh you know, experience. They were going out looking at different places. And so they did, they, I was like a burden to them, I think, or at least I, I would have thought of it from that vantage point. I would have been like, Oh, I'm just going to be some burden to these people. This is nuts. And this was only maybe two to three years after I lost my sight. So I was still kind of early on in things, but he was like, Hey, do you want to go with us in the morning? I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I just wanted to get out of the house. And so I got up really early. We went out in the boat and I really didn't do a thing, honestly, but he talked to me during the stuff. Here's why we do this or whatever. And he's always good about that. He's always good about including me when we go fishing. We went on a fishing trip, I think it was a couple of years ago, and we went and stayed in this cabin and we go out fishing in the morning. And, and this was uh, fishing where you'd get waders on, you go out in the water, 
about waist deep and, you know, you'd fish or whatever. And again, this was all new experience to me. My son loves this kind of stuff. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to experience it with my son for sure. And my father-in-law was so good. He's just an expert in all this stuff. He can throw out a fishing pole and catch like 10 fish in two seconds. It made me sick. But I'm like, you know, he'd, he'd get a fish and he'd be like, why don't you reel this in for me or whatever. And he was so good about it. it always includes me. I remember one year he got me a pocket knife for Christmas. And again, for some people, it'd be like, that's, well, why is that a big deal? Well, because, you know, I don't really use a knife and I have a handicap that would make me cut my finger off or whatever. And he just included me in that sort of thing. And so I think that is, is such an opportunity for inclusion because it's something I don't do well anyway, especially being visually impaired. Now, no, I'm not out shooting guns or whatever, but he always includes me whenever he can. And if you have somebody like that in your life or you have a situation or organization that makes you feel included, gosh, it's such a great feeling because there are lots of times, like I said, when you feel separated. So if you can find a time where you feel included, it can make a huge difference. And for me, my father-in-law always does a great job of including me. Number nine on my list is feeling surprised. You know, <laughs> when you're visually impaired, sometimes surprise is not a good thing because you're like, oh, I didn't see that. Oh, it just hit me in the face. This is terrible. <laughs> and feeling surprised, you know, can be a negative thing. But in this moment, feeling surprised was a good thing. Uh, my wife and I went to Disney World last year, and I found out before we went that they had this device that would audio describe the park. It would describe some of the attractions. It would let you know where you were, give you some spatial awareness. It was so awesome, and I was so surprised by this fact because it was like, you know, why is a theme park going to cater to visually impaired people, especially a very visual park like Disney World? Sure enough, they thought about things. Was it perfect? No, it wasn't perfect. I mean, the battery ran out towards the end of the day, and and it didn't you know describe every single attraction or whatever. But just the fact that they took time to make these devices. I mean, they had to produce them. They had to record the stuff. They had to, you know all this sort of thing. It was so so awesome, and I was so surprised, and it made my experience that much better. And I think when you feel surprised about something, it can make you feel like, wow, I can take part in this, you know, and that surprise leads to joy, leads to excitement, leads to all kinds of things. So the surprise isn't just the surprise itself. It's usually surprise and then it brings on joy and excitement and happiness and all those experiences go with it. So that is one of those great times when I was surprised when it was something to do with my visual impairment. And finally, number 10 on the list is when I feel proud. Now, there are lots of times when I felt proud. I mean, you know, when I accomplished something that I didn't think I could do or maybe somebody else didn't think I could do, whether it's something physical, maybe riding a bike, you know, on a trail or going on a hike when I didn't think I was going to make it through, those kinds of moments do make me feel proud. I mean, it's kind of like anybody who would do something they didn't think they could do and they accomplish it, it makes me feel proud. And so I feel a lot of pride whenever I can do those kinds of things. But I also feel very proud when my story, my my journey can impact somebody else in a positive way. You know, when when all of these stories I've shared today can tell somebody, hey, you're not alone in what you're going through. I've experienced all these things and more over the last 16 plus years of being visually impaired. Whether it was when I recently lost the sight, whether it was last week, I've experienced all these things and I will continue to experience these things. And so I feel very, very proud when somebody can hear that and say, 
say, wow, I'm not alone in this. He's gone through this and he's working through it. And, and maybe, you know, it's not perfect and he's still figuring things out, but he can do it. And so can I. And so I'm so, so proud when my story has a positive impact, when my visual impairment, as much as I struggle with it at times, as much as it's a pain in the butt, when my visual impairment can tell somebody else, hey, there is hope, you can do this, and most importantly, you're not alone. All right, my friends, well, that is 10 times or 10 stories from the journey of my sight loss. Now, look, there are tons of other things I can share, and hopefully as we continue on with this podcast, I will share even more with you. But the point I wanted to make here today is this. Obviously, we've reached episode 50, and that's great. But next week, we're going to do episode 51 and then 52 and hopefully on to a whole bunch more. And sight loss is the same way. Yes, you should celebrate every victory you have, whether it's walking to the mailbox, whether it's making yourself a sandwich, whether it's taking an Uber, whatever victory you have, you should celebrate and continue forward from there. You should know that you've accomplished something great and then keep going Because as you do, you will keep growing. Put that on a t-shirt, going and growing. Because the thing of it is, I've reached something great with episode 50. And now I'm going to continue on to great things as well. It's not like, well, you've reached this, but now you got to do this. It's not a but, it's an and. And and that's the key, you know. You've reached this pinnacle, you've reached this moment, and now you keep going. And think of your life as an and, not a but. There's not a bunch of stops. There's a bunch of like... Uh, rolling stops, maybe. I don't know. Like mountain top experiences we have are like, oh, I've reached the mountain and now I got to go back down to the valley. Well, instead of thinking it like that, think of it like, you know, I've reached this pinnacle. Now I'm going to keep climbing because the, the journey, the climb, cheesy as it is, it's not over and it's not done yet. So I just want to encourage you that episode 50 is a great moment. We're going to celebrate that. We're excited about it, but we're going to keep going so we can all, you and me, can keep growing. Like I said, I'm so excited that we've reached episode 50. And I got to take just a few seconds here at the end of the show to thank some people. First of all, like I said, I want to thank you. If you're listening to this and it's your first time or it's your 50th time, I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for being part of this whole crazy thing we call a podcast and for taking time out of your busy day to let me talk to you in your ears. I mean, there's so many other things you could be doing and the fact that you're taking time to listen to me is amazing. And so I want to thank you for listening and I want to thank you for subscribing, for sending me feedback, for letting me know that you enjoy the stuff, for giving me uh, you know show ideas and all that sort of thing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I really, really appreciate it. Next up, and this one might be a little odd, but I want to thank somebody named Dave Jackson. He's from the School of Podcasting. You can find out more information about that at schoolofpodcasting.com. Maybe you're interested in doing a podcast yourself about your journey. Dave has been so helpful to me. Um, you know, I was part of the School of Podcasting for a while, and anytime I send an email, he always has a response to that. So special shout out to Dave Jackson. He'll probably never hear this, but you know what? You got to thank the people that are important. So uh, a special thanks, thanks to Dave. 
Dave from the School of Podcasting. And finally, I want to thank my wonderful wife. She's always supportive, asking me, hey, what's the episode about this week? What are you going to do it on? And, and she's you know been on the show a few times, and she's planning on coming back for more punishment, I guess, to be on the show. But she's always so supportive, uh, even when it seems like, uh, why am I still doing this or whatever? You know, she's always so supportive. She says, you know, if, if I get somebody who gives me negative response, she's right there to say, hey, you know what? You did a good job or this is good or whatever. So I, I just want to thank her because without her continually saying, hey, you can do this and what's this about? And what you're going to do? I wouldn't have made it to episode 50. So special thanks to her. I really, really appreciate you. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to get us right here towards the end of the podcast. And as always, I just want to remind you that if you haven't gotten a chance to subscribe to the podcast, you want to do that because that will help you never miss another episode. And you can do that right at the show notes, lifeaftersightloss.com slash 050. Right under the player, you're going to find buttons for Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. You can subscribe on Android. I want to make sure you can hear the podcast wherever you are. And I hope that you will subscribe so you can keep on listening to the next 50 episodes. Also, as always, I love hearing from all of you. You can do that a number of different ways. If you've got a question, comment, just want to say hello, I love hearing from you. So send me an email, Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at lifeaftersightloss.com. You can tweet me at the Derek Daniel, or you can send me a voicemail, and the number to do that is 317-721-1027, and you can send me that voicemail. I'll put it on the podcast and let everybody hear your wonderful voice, but let me know what's going on in your life because I love hearing from you. And speaking of staying in contact, make sure to go to lifeaftersightloss.com slash contact and you can get in touch with me all the different ways, social media and whatever. And by the way, make sure you have liked my Facebook page because that way you're going to get all the different things I put on Facebook. And I just started a new thing called Facebook Friday where I release a video on Facebook on Friday, ironically. And so it's not something major, but you know, you might want to hear something like that. So make sure you like the Facebook page. Just go to lifeaftersightloss.com slash contact and you get all the information for that as well. All right, guys. Well, that is going to wrap it up for episode number 50 of Life After Sight Loss Radio. And I want to thank you so much for listening. And remember that all this information is intended for informational and educational purposes only. If you're in need of professional, medical, or legal advice, please seek out a specialist in your area. Thank you so much for listening wherever you are. And until next time, remember that sight loss isn't the end. It's just the beginning. My name is Derek Daniel from lifeaftersightloss.com, and I'll see you in the next one.